the copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Calling all cars, attention all cars, attention all Concert County, Concert Costa County Sheriff's cars, broadcast 117. All cars pick up any person attempting to form watches or diamonds or having blood stains on the clothing. Such a person may be the murderer of Harry Whittis, a jeweler of Crockett, who was murdered this morning in his store. That's all. Starts in Northern California, where two of the largest cities, Oakland and Berkeley, specify that all police, fire, and emergency cars must use Rio Grande cracked gasoline exclusively. The play ends in Phoenix, Arizona, where all sheriff's cars of Maricopa County are also powered by Rio Grande cracked gasoline. In fact, everywhere it is sold, Rio Grande cracked gasoline powers more police and emergency cars than any other brand. Leading cities specify Rio Grande because their tests have proved that the exclusive fastest cracking process makes the liveliest, fastest, and most powerful gasoline. Rio Grande's cracking actually breaks up the atom so that every drop burns without waste. And now Rio Grande has added extra refining processes which extract all lazy, sluggish elements from cracked gasoline, leaving concentrated energy. These costly extra processes give Rio Grande Crack the extra speed and power that you know as police car performance. Although it costs us more per gallon to make this finer gasoline, it costs you no more. And now it is our great pleasure to present Sheriff Miller of Contra Costa County, who will speak to you from the studios of station KFRC in San Francisco. Sheriff Miller. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Much of the work of catching a criminal is just that. Work. Hard work. Days upon days of it. Work that is done in quiet, undramatic offices. Work that comes off the mimeographing machine, and that is done through microscopes. Work that takes the form of countless questions on scores of worthless leads. It is often discouraging, tiring, brain-breaking work. But there is one thing which fears the peace officer, no matter how low his spirits may drop, and that is the knowledge of the fact that sooner or later the criminal must meet his accounting with the law. The knowledge of the truth of the truism. Crime doesn't pay. Listen carefully to the story you are about to hear. See what happened to this man who committed murder and escape, leaving behind him no tangible clue. Escape with thousands of dollars are valuable. Listen carefully to his story. See how he profited by his spoil. And note the circumstances under which he was captured. And then, 30 minutes from now, 
ask yourself if you honestly believe that crime can ever pay. Right there in that chair is where my husband always put the watch with the hunting face. 
was a big one. Nobody buys hunting cases anymore. But I guess you have that one in stock for six months. Yes, yes. But well, what we want to know is, Mrs. Whitted, did your husband keep an inventory of his stock? Is there any way of telling what is wrong? Yes. Oh, yes. The ledger mistake with every item in it. Yes, 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 yes. There, there it is. Here are all the rings for instance. The most size and weight of the ring are entered here. And these marks correspond with the marks my husband put on the inside of every ring. So fine we could only be read with a magnifying glass. Then, when the ring was sold, he always wrote the word sold in this column. Then it will be possible by checking the remaining stock against this book to know exactly what merchandise was stolen. Yes, if I guess it will be. Well, I must say, Mr. Whitted kept very thorough books. Yes, yes. My husband has a very, very nice. Well, Mrs. Whittick, if you don't mind, we'll check over the stop right away. Every moment counts, you know. And so the widow of the murdered jeweler checked her husband's back with the sheriff, choking back the tears as she, by teeth, recalls some intimate detail of her life. Some recollection of an association abruptly and permanently terminated. It is a ghastly past. But the brave woman sees it through, and hours later the sheriff is in possession of his first real clue. A complete list of the stolen goods. That afternoon he checked with his deputies at headquarters. Boys, I'm having a list of stolen goods in draft. By tomorrow morning, it will be in the hands of the pawn shop details of every police department in the state. There ought to be our biggest single help. Sooner or later, this girl has to pawn some of the stuff. What makes you so sure it's a one-man job, Lancaster? Well, I just have a feeling it was. I don't know why. Pick up any dope when you were questioning Buddha's acquaintances? Nothing of any value. It was well thought of in Crockett. Didn't have any enemies that I could find out about. Strange thing. What's a bloody, vicious murder? I can't understand it. Well, I can tell you one thing. We're going to have a job on our hands after we catch the guy. Why? The people over in Crockett are in an ugly mood. They're talking about lynchings. Oh, let them blow off steam if it makes them feel better. But I can assure you, Lancaster, there won't be any lynching. Not while I'm sheriff. More than two weeks passed by while the citizens of Crockett cool off. And no news is heard from Sheriff Neal's list of stolen goods. Seventeen days after the crime, the sheriff prepares a second list and broadcasts this one to every police department in the United States. But still, there's no reply. And then, 26 days after the murder, the sheriff calls Deputy Joe Joseph into his office. Joe, some of our stolen goods in that footed murder has shown up at last. Good. Who is it? Los Angeles. I just got a wire from Chief Speckle. They picked up a ring and watch that were found at the Castle Loan Company. I want you to go down there and find out all about it. Yes, sir. I'm on the way right now. Next morning, Joe Joseph interviews the proprietor of the pawn shop in Los Angeles. I want to look at that ring and watch you're holding for the police department. And who are you? Deputy Sheriff Joseph of Santa Costa County. Oh, yeah. They said you were coming in. Well, here's the stuff. When are they pawned? Uh, December 20th. 
Who bought them? Well, the fellow signed the fund ticket, Johnny Gomettino. I gave him six fifty for the ring and the watch. What did he look like? Oh, he's about thirty-five, I should say. Five feet ten or eleven inches. Good-looking guy. Has curly hair. American? No, maybe a Mexican or a mulatto. Okay. Now we're doing these things. I want that pawn ticket he signed. Oh, yes, sir. Here's a 650. Oh, thank you. I've just copied it up there. Oh, there you are, Joe. Oh, hello, Eddie. Captain sent me down to tell you we just turned up another ring near this, the pawn shop over on Broadway. Fine. We'll go right around there because I get this Now, uh, what name did the man use who pawned this ring? Well, let me see now. It is right here on the phone ticket, uh, my Pavilov. Well, let me see that ticket. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're getting the ring and take the ticket with me. What does this Michaelis look like? Well, I'll tell you. Not your Mexican. I don't know. He was a good-looking fellow with black curly hair, but uh, he's about 35 years old, I think. Well, I'll give you about five years. <laughs> Pretty definite identification from those two pawnbrokers down in L.A., Sheriff. And I've experted the handwriting on the two pawn tickets, and the names Johnny Gomestino and Michael Phillips are in the same handwriting. Good. I'll run off another list of stuff, including a description of our suspect. I knew he wouldn't lay low too long. Sheriff Vale speaking. Yes, this is the constable of those gathering. Yes. Oh, there's a bus driver by the name of Caldwell on the run between Santa Cruz and San Jose. Okay, Constable. Thank you very much. Joe, I want you and Bill and Dick Jocelyn to go down to San Jose. Find a bus driver by the name of Caldwell who's on the Santa Cruz run. He's got one of those watches. Okay. Now we'll get the boys and we'll get started. Do you know? We know a lot about him, but we don't know his name. Do you 
can't help us out on that. No, I can't. Friend of mine, John Stanfield, knows my name. You might ask him. What's his name? Stanley Lentz. He hangs out at the Pacific Pool Hall. Okay. Bill, you better get Chief Black to help you look over the pawn shop there in Santa Fe. All right. Bill and I will go down to Santa Cruz and see Mr. Lentz. Deputies journeyed to Santa Cruz, Yosman, assisted by Chief Black of San Jose and his men, scoured the pawn shops of the city for the missing article. After an intensive day's work, Yosman discovered one of the rings in a pawn shop run by Isidore Levine. You say you found this ring twice? Sure. Once on December 27th, I learned $623 on it. Then on the 29th, he comes back and he gained it. But that night, he comes back again. And he tells me he lost all his money gambling, so he lost a little more on the ring. So I gave him $27 that time. How do I see those tickets? Sure. Yes, you are. Well, look here. One ticket is on Pete Sanchez and the other is Pete Hernandez. Oh, yeah. Who they are? I never noticed that before. And you sure the same fellow brought the ring in too? How's it? So am I. The handwriting's the same. And if you ask me, it's the same as the handwriting on the pawn tickets we found in Los Angeles. <laughs> Jordan is definitely verifying the comparison of handwriting on the sample day's form ticket. Under Sheriff William Deal and Deputy Joseph have located men in the Santa Cruz pool. Well, we're looking for a guy, and we think you know who he is. Well, that ought to be friends. Who are you looking for? Well, it's your friend Caldwell, a watch a little while back. He's about five foot ten, looks like a Mexican. He's about 35. You know who I mean. Don't want anybody like that. You better think careful, then. We're investigating a bad beast. I ain't involved. Oh, well, out of the way now. They search for murder in this place, you know. Yeah, but I ain't... No, 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 no. Nobody's accusing you. But we just want to know about this friend of yours. What's his name? And I don't want anybody like that. Only Mexican Dan. Mexican Dan what? That's all I know. Where's he live? I ain't sure. Page hard. Well, maybe he's over at the Tolkett and... I am sure. The two officers followed the lead to the tall tech room. A seedy flop joint in a disreputable section of town. A frumpy landlady greets. Yeah, what do you want? Is reported that the name of Mexican Dan registered here? No. Age about 35, height 5 foot 10, good looking, curly black hair. You're sure he doesn't care? You're coppers, ain't you? Mm-hmm, that's right. Well, now that I think of it, I believe I do know who you mean. Yeah, he registered here a week ago, paid up his rent. But he ain't here now. Just in a hurry, last night. What's his last name? Oh, I never did hear him tell us. I think it's Deuce or something like that. Well, he's got a register here, haven't you? Yeah. And his name ought to be on it, shouldn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I never looked. No. Likely you didn't. Let's see that register. There you are. You say that was about a week ago? Yeah, that's right. Uh, here it is, Joe. Dan Droz. How about it, ma'am? Was his name Droz? It might have been. Matter of fact, you're mighty sure it was now that you've thought it over, aren't you? Well, yes. I guess it was. Uh, what else do you remember now that you've given the matter mature consideration? That's all I know about him. You don't remember, for instance, where he said he was from? No, well, I ain't sure. No? 
seems like I heard him say he had some relatives living in Minnesota. Mm, that's fine, ma'am. Never got a great thought of the first memory, is there? Come on, sir. Now, look, Joe, I'm going to hang around here and see if I can pick up anything else on this bird. And I want you to get over to Miss Ted and see what they know about him over there. Okay. Next morning in Miss Ted, Deputy Joseph looked at his old friend, Officer Louis Frago. Hello, Louis. Well, Joe, what's the devil you doing down here? Oh, a little official business. Yeah, yeah. Sit down. Here, have a cigar. Hi. Your business anything else can help you? Yes, it is, Louis. Uh, shoot. You know a fellow from around here by the name of Dan Roach? Dan Roach? Sure, I know him. He was born right here in my church. I've arrested him plenty of times. Yeah. He never had a break in life. Father was a Negro, mother a Mexican. Mother died when he was a baby and left him to shape pretty well for himself. He's been mixed up in a lot of small jobs, robberies and the like. Not a danger, Chester. I'm afraid you're wrong there, Lou. Looks like he's a murderer. What? Dan, a murderer? Oh, oh no, Joe. You must be wrong. Well, yeah. we got good reason to suspect he's the fellow who killed that old jeweler up in Crockett last month. Mm-hmm. Well, it just goes to show you can never be sure. Let's well, get a look at his record, Lou. Yeah, they got it on file at the sheriff's office down in Fresno. But I can't help feeling you find you wrong. Why well, always look the phone down and it's sort of important. Deputy Joseph rushes to Fresno, obtains a copy of the criminal record of Dan Gross, and returns to report to Sheriff Field in Martin. Well, sir, I think we've got an identification at last. Fine. What is it? A man named Dan Gross from Merced sold that watch to the bus driver in San Jose. His signature on the hotel register and the signature on his criminal record, which I got in Fresno this morning, tallies with a handwriting on all his phone tickets. Now just look at his record. Petty larceny, robbery, forgery, grand theft, reform schools, county jails, penitentiaries. And here's his picture and complete fingerprint classification. Well, at last, we've got what we're looking for. I'll get out new sectors, disguising this man as a murderer, and I'll have them in every police station and post office in the United States and Canada by the end of the week. I sometimes wonder how much attention people pay to those men-wanted circulars. Well, this time, I'm going even further. How's that? I'm going to have a story of the murder and these pictures cut up and make maps from them. And I'll send those maps to every newspaper in the country asking them to give the story a prominent face. That's a good idea. I'll make a policeman out of every man, woman, and child in this country. But I'm not going to stop until I send this bird where he belongs. Papers readily comply with Sheriff Field's request for cooperation. But it is not from some distant point that his first assistance comes from the public. It is from his own hometown of Martinez. For the morning after the story appears in the papers, Mrs. Frances E. Upton, proprietor of the Upton Hotel, calls upon the sheriff. Sheriff, I read about that murder in last night's paper. Yes, Mrs. Upton. Well, that man registered my hotel on December 2nd, while my night shirt was on duty. Are you sure? Yes. My night clerk recognized him from the picture in the paper. He checked out the next morning, and then that night... The night of December 3rd? That's right. The night of December 3rd, he checked in again while I was on duty. I know it was the same man. Only the first night, he gave the name of A. Randall. Second night, he signed the name of G. Oliveira. Did you bring the register with you? No, I didn't know you'd be one. Well, never mind. I'll send a man over to your place to look at it. 
I want to compare those signatures with some others I'm collecting. If you're positive that this is the man, Mrs. Upton, then you've helped us a great deal. This places our suspect within seven miles of the scene of the crime the morning it occurred. The signatures on Mrs. Upton's register do closely resemble the handwriting of the signatures on the pawn ticket. And Sheriff Field is now absolutely convinced that Dan George is the murderer. But despite the constant vigilance of the police, despite the secret work of the deputy sheriff, week after week goes by and no trace of growth. found him guilty of murder in the first degree. 
There was no recommendation of clemency. And in spite of his boast that he would never hang Dan Gross's lifeless body swinging from the gibbet in San Quentin in the gray dawn of September 12, 1933, added another human sacrifice on the altar of society, above which is inscribed in flaming letters the legend, Crime Does Not Pay. Several million motorists listening tonight who were induced by this broadcast to try Rio Grande cracked gasoline. You discovered that Rio Grande really was a different gasoline with advantages possessed by no other brand. Now when you accept our sincere recommendation and another superior value. When you buy oil, ask your Rio Grande dealer for Sinclair motor oil. The entire petroleum industry acknowledges the leadership of Sinclair in producing a canned motor oil which is free from wax and which all useless petroleum jelly has been extracted, and which lubricates perfectly at the hottest or coldest temperatures where other oils break down. Every technical expert will admit that at only 25 cents for a quart can, Sinclair Opaline motor oil is the greatest oil bargain on this market. Sinclair Pennsylvania motor oil sells for 30 cents for a quart can. Drive into the next Rio Grande station to see. Fill up on cracked gasoline. Get your free copy of the latest Calling All Cars News. Get your free gift for your youngsters. Get Sinclair canned motor oil in your crankcase, and you'll get greater value for your money than you've ever got before.